Welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today we'll hear director Luca Guadagnino and actor Timothy Chalamet discuss their new film, Call Me By Your Name, with moderator Gregory Elwood at the Landmark Theatre in Los Angeles. Hey everybody, uh, my name is Gregory Elwood, I'm with The Playlist. You just saw one of the most incredible movies in the last decade. Uh, and I'm so excited tonight to um, moderate a Q&A with the director of this incredible film, Mr. Luca Guadagnino. Best Actor Award, Timothy Chalamet. Also, in Luca's case, also congratulations, also won the Gotham Awards for Best Film of the Year on Monday. Before we start, how many people have already seen the film? This is their second. Wow. I think that's called word of mouth. Awesome. Um, so guys, uh, and since so many of you already seen the film, uh, I, I want to sort of like start on a, on, a, on a different note. Can we talk about Mafalda? Yeah. Because if any of you are on social media, people are obsessed with Mafalda. <laughs> they want to know what she would have thought if she came into the room. And can you just tell us about the actress? She, just, she gives a great performance with almost no face screen time. It's like incredible. I was scouting and we were looking for the place in which Ellie and Oliver go through with the bikes on the on their way to the first kiss and i was in this field and uh, and uh, and then i see this lady biking and i see this strange face and she goes like this she doesn't care about this bunch of filmmakers in the middle of the no of the street with like viewfinders and stuff and i see to my produ executive producer stella stella get her and you see stella <laughs> run to her and grab her, say, please, can you stop for a moment? And she say, can you come and meet my director? I say, I can't, and she left. <laughs> <laughs> and then we made a, like a sort of uh, announcement in the newspaper of uh, Crema that we were doing some auditions for smaller roles, and she showed up. <laughs> and she got the role on spot. Like, not even, she didn't read. I mean, I saw her, like, Your, it's yours. And then, and that you can confirm me, she was perfection. Mm -hmm. She was so good. Like, you know the, the scene she's when... She's the best part of the movie. She's <laughs> no, but she's so good performer. When they quarrel Elio and Mafalda about him not wanting to eat at home, and sh the timing, she gets it. And she's so good that I cast her in Suspiria. Oh, wha what can she tell us what she plays in Suspiria? Like she plays a witch. Oh, wow. Okay, I can't wait to meet her now. Like I'm now, I'm now I'm even more obsessed. Um, Timothy, can you talk about? Uh, you were, uh, in case people don't know, you were attached to this before even Luca uh, came on to direct. Um, you've I've probably been attached to a bunch of movies and waited a long time. Was there ever a moment where you thought this isn't going to ever happen? This is just one of those things that happen in the business. What what made you think this film was really going to go forward and actually go in front of cameras? Well, I mean. I like most actors get this fancy thing called escrow, which means they get the money for the movie before they even get out there. And I had no interest in doing that because I was just so enthusiastic about doing the movie. But I was in Italy before we ever knew this movie was had the money to be done. I mean, I was there a month and a half early, and there was a call at a certain point I got that was like, look, this might not come together. And you know, you can go back if you want. And if the movie doesn't come together, just treat it as like a three-week, you know, Italian lesson, piano lesson, crash course in what it would be like to play Elio Perlman from Call Me by Your Name. Um, but uh, yeah, this was certainly the thing that 
it was like the dream project that would never come around because I was getting to work with really great directors on other projects, but it was always, not always, but it was often, you know, as the brother or the son or the, like, asshole romantic interest or something. <laughs> so, um, so uh, uh, no, I, I, I was, like, salivating at this opportunity, and young actors don't get this kind of role that's complex and contradictory and and the time to breathe in so many shots and 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 a lot of time to play in space and the opportunity to work with Luca and Army and James Ivory, like, it's a dream come true. Um, and so I know that you guys didn't have that much rehearsal time beforehand. You were there, like, learning piano and stuff like that. But we did a Q&A before, and Army is not here. Uh, it's his daughter's birthday, I believe. So, um, but he told a really funny story about how um, uh, you guys did one rehearsal. And can you tell that? I don't know if you can tell it as... Yes, I'm not going to be able to tell it as well as Army for those that know this story. But <clears throat> So we, weren't, we hadn't really done any rehearsals for this movie. I'll try to condense it for those that have heard this story. And, uh, and we, we really hadn't done any rehearsals. We had done a couple table reads. We had kind of established the arc and the tone of the movie. And Lucas said, let's rehearse at the villa one day. And he said, you know, let's go rehearse in the backyard and bring your scripts. And Army and I were super enthusiastic. We hadn't read through anything yet. And we were, like, broing out. We were really excited. And uh, so we got to the, so we brought our scripts to the backyard. And Lucas said, I don't know, let's you know, flip to page 71. Let's do whatever scene's on that page. We said, oh, okay, great. You know, or, well, what's, what scene's going to be there? And I think the only description for the scene was Oliver and Elio make out. So, <laughs> and we both kind of looked at each other. We were like, oh, man, okay, here we go. So... We went right into it because we had we yet had we had yet to have the icebreaker. We had yet to have any sort of physical intimacy, let alone you know kissing. So we did, and Lucas stopped us and said, "No, no, no, that's 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 not right at all. I want you guys to really make out and be passionate about it." So we kind of looked at each other and we went, "Okay," and and we were going at it and we were making out and then we were making out and we were making out and we were really kind of getting into it and it was kind of getting getting a little steamy, you know. And then and then we looked up and Luca was gone. He had totally disappeared. <laughs> he had walked off into the distance. But it was good. It was the perfect icebreaker. It 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 it, it destroyed the ice. There was no ice left. Um, Luca, I want us to talk about the music in this movie because it's so great. And can you talk about how you got, um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, Sufjan uh, Stevens to be involved and even to write two original songs, let alone one? Well, I, 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 I you know, the, the novel is, is, is told from the perspective of Elio 20 years later. It's a sort of a first-person singular account of his emotional journey. And uh, I didn't want to use that kind of device, but I wanted to have a voice that could, in a way, envelop the film. And I thought that the use of a voiceover was a little bit uh, of a contrivance, but, but maybe music could have drive uh, the emotional kind of power I wanted for the film. And Sufjan, you know, like the voice of Sufjan is so pure. His lyrics are so complex and yet so immediate. And the music is so, again, enveloping. And I approached the guy. I said to him, would you collaborate with us on this? I envy even, even asked him to sing in the movie, like to be filmed. And he said, no. But, but he said yes to a song. And then a few, few months later, he gave us two songs instead of one. And also, he rearranged for piano uh, futile devices. And had he told you what his inspiration was? Had you said what you were even looking for? Or? Well, we talked about a lot about the movie. We, we he read the book. Uh, I, I gave him the script. We spoke about the tone. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know he was going to come with this great image of Gideon. 
for instance. So did you, did you had you planned that a, a original song would play over the last shot? Like what was no, your? No, we got the songs. Uh, I think a week before or a week into filming, we heard the songs. They were so stunning, and we were impressed. And then with my editor, we immediately understood that we wanted to use visions of Gideon in the last shot, and it all all went on play in place very soon. Fit in place like a puzzle. Immediately, just like, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious. Can we talk about that last scene because it, it moves so many people, and and I, I think one of the interesting things that that you've mentioned about it before is that there was no cameraman on the other side. But can you talk about how you got to the place you needed to just as an actor for that scene? I think trust and rhythm, trust for Luca that it, it, we, I'd be guided in the right direction, that it would make sense in in the in the story of the film, and then also the rhythm and the gift of getting to shoot this film almost perfectly chronologically and almost rarely out of order. And that by the time we shot that scene, I think we were three days from the end of filming or two days or something. So there was the like instant nostalgia that was already kicking in for the experience that was still happening. And that's almost how the scene plays out. There's like a weird, you know, love for time past and love lost and love that happened but didn't really happen the way maybe it should have or in the entirety that it should have. No, I, I, it's, it's incredible, um, especially the more you see the film. It's just, it's an incredible performance there. Um, and, and lastly, before we take some audience questions, well, I just wanted to go back to the music. Uh, Love My Way by Psychedelic Verse. How did, was that just a song that you were a fan I of? I made? <laughs> was that it? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Pretty in Pink, Heaven. I love that album. I love the Psychedelic Verse. I think that uh, Oliver listened to the song and he feels liberated in that little moment. I wanted a hymn from the times. It's beautiful. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it, is. <laughs> it is. When you guys were dancing to it, did you actually know that what that song, I mean, I'm sure it was Yeah, that song quiet. was cleared and already acquired for the movie on scripts phase. But uh, we shot the scene without the music because you have to have right. the clean sound. That's another good classic army story. Yes. You know, there's, there's only a click track for that song. There was no music. And so it's like a tremendously awkward experience to be dancing to no music. And so that if I can do the army meme live. <laughs> but, but Timothy loves to dance, he's great. And that's the other thing, I love dancing. So I got to be like in the corner of, the, of that outdoor area just kind of pointing and laughing the entire time. <laughs> um, we definitely want to take some questions from the audience. So um, who's got a question? Uh, you, sir, right here. Um, Luca, you talked about how you did an audition either after, and now hearing the story about Mafalda. Um, do you just base this on instinct, or did you look at Army's all of these films and so the Timothy's films? And then I think it's the yeah. The, the question is about how I the process of casting and not having to do auditions and how I decide to cast people. I think it's the sum of things. Sometimes you know an actor like Army, the body of work is fantastic, and sometimes you, you trust your instinct and you know there is a preparation there, like in the case of Timothy. Sometimes uh, the people that you have in front of you are the natural embodiment of the characters, like, like uh, Vanda Capriolo who plays Mafalda. But definitely it's a mixture of experience, and uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe I will, sound, I will sound pompous, but it's about my interest in people. And if I, I'm invested and I want to spend time, why not? Why Army Hammer should audition for a role? He's a great actor. 
Other questions? Uh, you, sir, right there, I think. Yeah, for the scenes where Army dances, like, did you tell him like how to dance, or is, he, is that just how he dances? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's set in the 80s, in 1983, so the, the, the we quality... We had an 80s dance coach come to the villa one day, and she came totally in costume. She had the socks that were up, and the fluorescent leotard, and we had like a whole dance, and, you, and I think you arranged that, right? Yeah. But in the same time, I think he, he also studied himself. There's a great scene in a great movie called Something Wild by Jonathan Demme, where Jeff Daniels dances at the um, re reunion party. That's something that I had in my mind when we shot that scene. Uh, like the shot of the feet of uh, Oliver comes from exactly the same shot comes from that movie. Other questions? I think there's someone right there in the center. It's a little hard to see. I think it's you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> what, what, what can you do? <laughs> Good. Give me your, I'm going to be out. You give me your details. You got a list of PAs for like if you ever shoot a movie in the U.S. Phalanx um, of PAs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other questions as well? Oh. Right there? Can I help you? So I'm sure both of you are aware that this movie is getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and so I'm wondering if you were to get nominated, who would you think? Oh, the question was that if you if you won, who would you thank? Well, that's a question too far in the future. We'll see. We'll see. and I'm sure there are a lot of actors in here and I think it depends on the actor and it's a r I, I struggle with that it's a real tension you know I, I consider myself a theater theater guy and I went to a theater high school in New York and certainly on stage you want to know exactly or not exactly but you want to generally have blocked out what you're going to be doing but on film I know as an audience member what excites me the most are moments of spontaneity or where things feel real or unplanned or they just happened but you know, then there's that big, it's like almost like the divide in the debate of acting where a lot of people are more classical and want the more of a performance and you see the actor in the drawing room or in the control room. But then Marlon Brando came along and he made everything real. So everybody had to be real now. And then Meryl Streep started working with a speech coach. So everybody started having to work with a speech coach. Um, so when the bar has been like raised that high or like Christian Bale and the Machinist or these guys or anybody that commits to a role fully like that, I find that you know, then you kind of have to match the realism or the believability or, or audiences are going to go, well, we saw, you know, for me, like a movie like James White or, um, or like a Good Time that just came out too, like these hyper-realist movies. I find as an audience member that it makes it harder for me to go watch these more like uh, performative or structured pieces. Uh, you, sir? Right. <laughs> uh, what did you use to get to that place of being so, like, devastatingly in love with someone? And then was there a separate aspect of, the, like, forbidden aspect? Have you ever experienced that? Or, like, how do you, like, find love for So, in case you couldn't hear, the question was, did you use something specific to get to that um, point of intimacy, I think, basically, is what you were asking, if that's correct. 
and then also, uh, I think that was just basically the main question. I thought I missed the second part. But if there was an, yeah. Well, the forbiddenness, like the same way, um, the 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 sense of forbidden. Uh, hmm, how do I answer this? Like, uh, uh, I, 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 to answer the first part of the question, I think like to play any uh, uh, to to play any character of complexity, or to be playing these emotional uh, beats and arcs, you know, that's just the requisite as an actor is to where your heart on your sleeve to a certain extent, and unless you're playing somebody who's guarded or there's a certain character choice there. But that's almost the gift, you know, I went to a drama high school from 13 to 17, and for better or worse now, like I wear my heart on my sleeve, even in life too, like I've done some talk shows recently, I'm like a fucking nervous wreck up there, you know? <laughs> um, and and then this to the second part, like the forbidden aspect, I don't know, there is like a forbiddenness to this love, but I don't think it relates to like, that's the beautiful thing about this movie, I don't think it relates to like sexuality or or you know, uh, kind of themes we've seen before, but rather the forbiddenness is just like an awkwardness towards how to express your first love, and like you have that physical desire, but you don't know what that means. And particularly with Oliver slash Army Hammer, who's six foot five, you just want to crawl all over him. <laughs> and like, and uh, and then and then and this sounds like cliche or something, but it's also just being in the hands of Luca, who like just guided this ship perfectly, and 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 you know. I <laughs> was, was able to channel my natural naivete into some sort of like performance. Um, Want to try to get some people in the back? Uh, you up there, I think, ma'am? Hi. Sorry, I'm very far back. I was just wondering, like, when you watch the movie, it seems like very enchanting, almost surreal. I was just wondering, like, what the production process was like, was like in that sense. Like, did you feel like you were in a different world almost, and was it hard to like snap back into reality almost after filming something like this? I think that's a question for both you guys. Like, Luca, how did you sort of get that sort of uh, sense of, um, you know, cinema verite on, the, um, on set? Like, did you just let lots of scenes sort of go extend for a while? Like, uh, how did you sort of handle that aspect? Um, I'm not sure I, I understood the question, but I tried to answer. Um, well, I, you know, like, I, I think that uh, in this case, I wanted the movie to be, uh, the language of the movie to be as, as discreet and as invisible as possible. I just didn't want to go uh, in the way of these characters. And the place was my place. I lived there. So it was easy for me. Not, I don't live in that house. I live in that <laughs> village. I think we all were like, wow, that's a great but summer you, home. That's really nice. But you thought about buying the house, and everybody yeah, went, no, no, house. no, Luca. W w wishful thinking. Uh, <laughs> um, you, sir, right there. Um, you know, that history is, I, I've seen it a couple of times. It's the first time I noticed that the <laughs> scene uh, by the war monument where Elio first tells his feelings, um, it's shot in one take. And did you go through multiple... Walking something, was that, did you have a lot of different, did you have to do that a number of times? Well, that's a, that's a good question, uh, uh, because uh, it's something that, uh, uh, you know, that is like five to six pages of script, and it's a very important scene, of course, and it's a moment in which Elio is open up. Actually, Elio and Oliver are open up to one another, and yet I was struggling with the concept of, um, like ac put putting accents uh, in the places where you feel um, maybe by the, the textbook of 
narrative to put it, like a close-up or reaction shot or stuff like that. And I think ARMY saw that I was a bit in, in a difficult space with the scene at the very beginning of the morning. So he said to me, why don't you do it in, a one, in one shot? That was his idea. And I said, mm, why not? And we started to block. And you block by piece by piece. You add elements. So they are coming from some place. He wants to buy cigarettes. He waits for the guy wait, coming back from the cigarette place. They have to fill the, 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 um, the, the void of not being able to speak or die, as, as the mother says. So they go to the monument and they start to have small talk about it. But in a way, the monument is so meaningful because it's about youth who, who died. And maybe that triggers Elio's instinct to say the things. And then Oliver goes instinctively on the opposite side because he's, in a way, terrified by the proximity, but he want to hear that. But the monument is in the middle. So we are going to the monument and then we go back and then they, f they meet again. And all this dance around this square it took us a few hours to to do it like very patiently and then we decide we realized that we didn't have enough truck to shoot so we had to wait for the trucks to come back from milan <laughs> so we wait a couple of hours the truck arrived and we shot in i think three takes it was very 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 fast that's nerve-wracking as an actor though in one in like one shot because the better it's going, the longer it gets, the little voice in the back of your head that's going, Oh man, don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sir right there, I think? Or man? Oh miss, I'm sorry, yes. Or sir? Yeah. Sir, apologies, Kate, it's so dark <laughs> here, we're like uh, So I've seen it twice now and um, for the property that you shot out mostly, it seems so true to the book. Um, was that all one location or was it multiple or was it built on a on a set on a stage the house yeah no that's a real house it's a property from 17th century and uh, we, we we dressed the house we made it alive we made it 1980s we made it that family house we built the house no we built we we created the atmosphere of the house and then we created the garden the garden there was no garden like it was really like abandoned we made the orchard we made the trough where they swim You, sir, question? Yeah, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for making this film. I, um, a film that celebrates unconditional love without prejudice and without shame is a wonderful thing, and, and we all have so thank you for that. Um, my question is about sort of the details in the film that aren't in the book. Uh, there's a, a scene um, right after the Jews of Discretion moment, uh, the next scene you sort of birth the star of David out of your mouth uh, and when you're swimming and um, there's that moment when he's dreaming in, um, in Rome where uh, the dream is uh, sort of like a reverse negative or something. Where did those, where, how did that come out of a, did that come out of a collaborative process or how did that come about? I definitely think they came out of a collaborative process, you know, like I think when you do a movie, you have to leave the door open to reality, which means that everything that happens, you have to understand why it's happening and be part of it. I think script, book is a tool, and then you have to make it alive. So we were, in, for instance, we were in the, in we, for we were supposed to shoot in a river, which has low water, but because it was raining for like really all the month of the shoot, the river became impractical. 
It was huge, it was really fierce and dangerous. So we had to move into the lake and that's how we went ended up having Elio coming off the water from the lake. And then you were playing with the necklace and I don't remember if you had this idea or I had this idea, but we had this idea that boom, the thing comes off of his mouth and we realized that he really is um, looking for a brother brotherhood and uh, a strong bond, like a really, really strong bond with this boy. That was my idea. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. And wait, wait. Yeah, no. Now I, I only say that because I remember because we like we came out of the water and they say cut and I was like still floating and Lucas said the thing with the ding in the mouth, genius, genius. And Good. Let's just take a couple more questions. Um, way in the back up there, I'm sorry, you just threw your hand up. Um, okay, this may be a uh, very small, it is a very small detail, but I'm curious. Three scenes that I saw, there was a fly <laughs> on this well, the, 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 the Lombardia, which is the region where we, we shot this film, is a flatland and it's mostly uh, um, a place where uh, there is a lot of cattle and there is a lot of uh, milk and cheese and, and shit and flies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's accurate. Oh, uh, you? Well, the flies were there and then the fly at the end in the winter it's very, it's very telling because in these old houses, they, the insects like try to find rescue in the winter from the cold, otherwise they die. And I like the idea that this is the last fly of the summer. By the way, did you shoot that during the initial production or did you come back later? No, we shot in, uh, in the same production period of time. Oh. We were lucky. The way there is a fantastic visual effect work because when you see him and then there is the window with the falling of mm. the snow, Originally, that was like a blooming spring. <laughs> we replaced that. Oh. And I was supposed to be that is a good thing about VFX. Yes. <laughs> and I was supposed to be walking through the winter shots, you know. So I went to I went to college in the in the fall for a semester, and I thought, okay, I have that trip to Italy, you know, in the winter, I'll have that trip booked. And then they cut it, so my winter plans were like totally. <laughs> we had we had the winter. Uh, I think you had a question. Um, yeah. um, by the way, I love the characters. Is there a trilogy, like in the sense of like, um, Before Sunrise? Oh, is, is there a plan for, I think I've heard you talk about this a little bit, is there a plan for sequels to revisit 10 years down the road? Because the book, I think, continues their, their story a little bit. I, I revert the question. You want to see these people again? Yeah. <laughs> then yes. There we go. Um, we got one more question. You right there in the aisle. Right here? Yeah. Um, simply thank you. I think this is an instant classic. And for me, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, I wish I had a movie like this, just to be able to sort of see myself. Um, the speech by the, the father alone is amazing. Yeah. Um, so simply thank you. Thank you. Putting your heart well, I think that's a wonderful way to enter uh, to end. Uh, please uh, thank Timothy and Luca, and please thank spread the word so about Call Me By Your Name. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and also check out Landmark Theatre's YouTube channel for videos of these Q&As and more. See you next time.